ready to try and entertain you. This will be Season 7, Episode 17. Don't hold your breath. More about that coming up in a moment. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Difficult, um, and even with the GPS, it can be difficult. 
Um, so I ended up giving up on that simply because I wasn't making enough money. So um, I had two job prospects in the last couple weeks, and this just came about from simply being bored um, and frustrated and wanting money. Um, so as I normally do, I have this slew um, of job applications, and I'll do nothing for a while, then another slew of job applications. Uh, well, this slew apparently went pretty well because I got an interview um, for a sales position, which was all commission, uh, which might have been okay. Um, it was dealing with selling things to union members that were theoretically already entered in, interested in the product uh, because they were union members, um, and that seemed like it might have been okay, um, but I would have needed a car, so I had to end up passing on that, um, and then this job, um, phone job, uh, giving technical support, so hopefully, um, knock on wood, um, and I can't seem to find any real wood around me, but hopefully, uh, this will work out because it would be really nice to have some stable income and to, uh, go from desperate survival mode to, um, you know, potentially going up in an upwards direction, um, and maybe actually using uh, the skills and uh, training I got from college, maybe, uh, what a thought. But um, like I said, I'm not holding my breath because experience has taught me uh, learning a job and trying to get through the challenges of that, particularly me, for me, can be very difficult. So um, as much as I can, I will update you guys on the progress and how that goes. Uh, like I said, I'm hoping for the best. Um, I worked very hard to get the paperwork filled out and faxed in today. I haven't heard anything since I faxed the paperwork in, so I'm hoping it actually got there. Um, apparently faxing things at Kinko's is very expensive, so I'm really, really, really hoping that this pays off. Um, in the meantime, I'm just doing my normal thing, trying to think of it as enjoying a little bit of free time before, uh, real life adulthood starts, hopefully. Um, and of course, you know, there are some mixed feelings about that. I won't lie. I don't particularly like um, the demands of, I don't know, I'd say a typical work schedule these days of, you know, not getting off two days in a row. Um, that's, I don't know, I find that bothersome because I, I preferably, I'd, I'd rather work four 10-hour shifts and then have three days off, uh, partially because, you know, I need my time away from the people and the demands of the job, and partially because um, when you fly long international flights on flight sim in your free time, well, it's hard to do that within the confines of 24 hours and the turnaround and be back and be ready to go again. So, uh, like I said, I'm hoping that this all works out. Um, we'll see how it goes, and uh, I'll keep you guys updated on that. Um, other things of interest that I've seen of late uh, was a notice today uh, that I saw relative to the Asiana crash, um, and that's that the FAA is no longer allowing uh, international carriers to conduct visual approaches onto runway 28 left and 28 right in San Francisco. Um, and uh, to be 
frank, this is nothing short of disconcerting. Um, I'm a simulator pilot. I'm, you know, a student pilot that hasn't gone up and flown in uh, well over two years, I think. Um, not, I could get my logbook out, but I'm not going to worry about that too much because it's money-driven, or at least that's what I'm going to claim. Um, and I won't lie, my approaches in the simulator are not good. They usually end up being high and slow. Um, if anybody has potential solutions for being high and slow on approach, um, let me know. Um, I think if I should probably go back and revisit uh, the Aviator 90 series from uh, AOA Media um, and just maybe work on some basic virtual piloting skills. But uh, within the context of the real world, um, if you're a professional line pilot uh, flying pretty much anything, um, and even if you're a commercial pilot, uh, rated pilot, you know, no matter what, you should be able to fly a visual approach. Um, it's pretty simple. Uh, you use power to keep you on glide path, either, you know, if you're too high, reduce power. If you're too low, increase power. Um, and keep your pitch at the right angle so that you try and hit your approach speed, uh, which is one of the things I struggle with uh, with my approaches, is uh, my approach speeds always end up a lot lower than they should be. Um, and like I said, it's something I'm struggling with, and one of the things with the sim uh, that I do is I try and hand fly as much as possible uh, within the context of the jets. I try and hand fly it up to about 5,000 feet. Uh, maybe I'll turn the autopilot maybe on at maybe 4,000 feet, if it, depending on the model, uh, because some of them are, it's easier to level out. Uh, some of them it's just a lot easier to let the autopilot do it. Um, I know, probably not a good admission in the context of this discussion, but still. Um, and then, of course, I'll hand fly the approach, um, you know, from about three to 4,000 feet and, uh, you know, line her up on the runway and land as best I can. Um, and, you know, like I said, the, one of the most basic things you can do is perform a visual approach. Um, in the context of a jet, based on my sim experience, um, what you do is you... Um, enter the approach procedure into the flight management system. You have lateral navigation mode and vertical navigation mode engaged. You select your go-around altitude, um, and once you're close enough, maybe 30 miles in, something like that, um, and you have your clearance to land, you turn the autopilot off, you turn the auto throttle off, and you hand fly it down to the approach. Um, and you can simply use um, your eyeballs um, to, you know, gauge the approach and figure out whether you're low or high. Uh, the PAPI, the Precision Path Indicator, um, a series of lights, I believe it's four lights, um, on the side of the runway. Uh, they can either be uh, all red, uh, half red, half white, uh, or all white. Um, and of course, there's a little bit of variance in betweens, but it basically, if it's all red, you're too low, and you need to 
pull up and uh, go around depending on how close you are. Um, and if it's all white, then you're too high and you need to uh, try and descend quicker or uh, abort the landing depending on the circumstances. Um, and really, it's, it's that easy. Uh, it's that simple. You use power to control your rate of descent. You use your pitch to control your speed. And you just hand fly it down to the runway. Um, like I said, I do tend to struggle, but I mean, intellectually, I get it. Um, it's a very simple concept. It's flying 101, uh, really. And the concept that uh, professional pilots, uh, no matter where their training is from, uh, can't do this um, is downright scary. Um, I won't lie, I always, you know, tune in the instrument landing system, which, uh, for those of you that aren't aware what an ILS is, it's basically uh, radio beacons on the ground that give you the location laterally, uh, left or right, uh, to line you up with the runway, um, and that's called the localizer, and it's a uh, radio, uh, very high-frequency radio station on the ground that Essentially, if you follow the commands on your display, it'll display whether you're left or right of the runway, and you just get the dot lined up, and it'll fly you straight down to the runway. Um, all you have to do is keep it lined up. Um, and the other component of the instrument landing system is the glide slope, uh, which is the element of the instrument landing system that has been um, no-tammed or turned off at SFO, and that tells you uh, whether you're too high or too low. Um, and again, that's just a, it's represented as a dot or an indicator on the side of your artificial horizon. Um, and if it's above, you're too high and you need to descend. If it's below, then you're too low and you need to climb. Um, again, you just use the power and pitch adjustments to try and get your angle of descent right. You want to be descending about 700, 800 feet a minute. Uh, until you're just over the runway, pull back on the nose a little bit, reduce power, and uh, touch down. Um, and again, it's, it, without the glide slope, um, you can easily make an approach, especially on a clear, clear day. We're talking visual conditions. You can see the runway. You can see the approach path indicator. Um, you can see... You know, the airplane next to you, in the case of 28 left and 28 right, they usually have parallel approaches. In other words, you're landing, say, on 28 left, you'll have another airplane landing or taking off on 28 right. And, you know, theoretically, you could use the location of the other aircraft to kind of gauge it and help you line up if you needed it. But you should be able to just eyeball it. Um, and the fact that the FAA has come out and said uh, international carriers can no longer do the visual approaches into San Francisco. Um, Nerve-wracking, to say the least, because, again, uh, a visual approach is one of the most basic things in aviation that you could possibly do. Um, so I guess that brings us back to the automation argument. Um, I listen to a number of aviation podcasts. Um, it's an important part of my internet consumption, um, being an aviation buff. Um, and, you know, I get a lot of input and insight from airline pilots. Um, Captain Jeff um, 
is one of those, and he talks a lot about automation and the fact that uh, it seems that airline procedures are set up to where uh, the computers, in other words, the autopilot is flying the airplane most of the time. Um, and in the majority of the cases, um, you know, that's no big deal because most of the flying is proceeding along your pre-programmed route. You program it in your flight management system. It draws a, a visual depiction of the route of flight onto your uh, navigation display or horizontal situation indicator, as the case may be. Um, I've been flying the Boeing 757 and 767 uh, as of late. Boeing 757 from Captain Sim, uh, Boeing 767 from um, Level D. Um, so it's in my case, it's the HSI. But um, you know, you set it up, you get your route all entered, um, and all you really have to do once you've verified your route, you're airborne, you hit the button that says LNAV. And what that'll do is that'll tie the autopilot up with the flight management system, and the airplane will pretty much steer you to your destination. Um, and in the case of vertical management, in other words, climbing descent speed, um, what you do is you set up your cruise altitude and your performance parameters in the flight management system before you take off. And it'll give you an economic speed, it'll give you um, an economic rate of climb or descent, depending on the circumstances. All you have to do is enter your cruise altitude in the autopilot selection, hit VNAV, and it'll conduct the climbs for you, and it'll hold you at your cruise altitude. Um, and for, I'd say, 90% of commercial flights, that's what's going on. Uh, the pilots will spend 15 to 20 minutes on the ground setting up the flight management computer, uh, entering the uh, zero fuel weight, uh, looking at the optimum altitude, selecting an altitude that makes sense, um, and then once all those figures are entered, uh, you taxi to the runway, you engage the auto throttle, it supplies sufficient power to get you airborne, you lift the nose, and you raise the gear, you track the flaps, and you turn the autopilot on. And again, you don't do it, you don't disengage the autopilot or the autothrottle. Um, the autopilot obviously controlling the maneuvering of the aircraft, the throttle uh, controlling the speed of the aircraft. Um, and the autothrottle works in conjunction with the autopilot to get your pitch right, because obviously you need your pitch um, configured correctly in order to maintain speed. Um, and those systems basically work in a pairing um, until basically you're on final, line up, lined up with the runway a few thousand feet off the ground and you're ready to land. Um, and, you know, that's, that's the way the modern airliner works. Um, and, you know, if you know what you're doing, it's uh, not all that difficult to set up and maintain. Um, but nonetheless, um, you have to remember that those computers are just there to make the monotonous stuff easier. In other words, um, I've got Flight Simulator open right now. I'm flying to 757 from Liverpool, or excuse me, from Minneapolis to Liverpool. Um, and right now, I've got it set up just as I mentioned. Um... I've got LNAV engaged, I've got VNAV engaged, 
I've got the flight management computer set up for a flight plan to Liverpool. Um, I'm currently navigating my way towards the North Atlantic, and the autopilot's on. We're level at 33,000 feet. That's all I really need to do until I need to start planning for my descent. Um, but nonetheless, um, my job at this stage, uh, tantamount to the job of a real airline pilot at this stage, is to monitor the aircraft. Make sure that you're following the route of flight that's been pre-programmed into the flight management computer on your HSI. Make sure your speed stays constant. Make sure you're level at the proper altitude. And make sure that the engines are performing as they should be. Um, and then when you get to the planning stage for the arrival, you brief the arrival. You make sure you know what you're doing and you, you conduct the approach. Um, but at any time, I know um, that the autopilot could go wonky and say, yeah, I'm out of here. Um, and it can do that for any number of reasons. Um, some of them quite normal, some of them abnormal, but you always have to be ready for that. Um, and to me, um, the very thought that you can't, that professional pilots can't get by with this without this automation uh, boggles my mind. Um, uh, now I'll admit, um, in the cruise stage, I don't take the autopilot off and hand fly it very often. Um, I can do it; I'm capable, um, but it's just not something that's done very often. And it's you know it's the same with the airlines, um, and that's to be expected because it's pretty mundane and you know the autopilot's a lot better at keeping the airplane trimmed and level and at a constant speed than uh, a person would be um, but in the confines of a visual approach um, approaching the airport um, that's something that you've got to be prepared for and that's something that you've got to be good at um, and you know I spend a lot of time um, on flight simulator uh, flying jet aircraft, um, and it occurs to me that in the confines of normal operation, uh, the occasion for hand flying just isn't there all that often. Um, and like I said, that's reasonable 90% of the time. Um, the only time you're really going to end up hand flying uh, is if you're flying a GA aircraft, say a 172 or a Cirrus or something like that, um, which makes me wonder if it wouldn't be a good idea for airlines to encourage, if not um, send their pilots back for uh, flight time in a GA aircraft to make sure that they have the hand flying skills um, up to par uh, for regular line flying, because again, um, you know, these simulators are expensive that they run. They do emergency procedures. They don't do a lot of hand flying or anything like that. Um, and maybe um, flying a GA aircraft uh, as part of your recurrent training for a half hour or whatever uh, might be a good idea. I can say for the, you know, for... My ease of mind, as much as I'm a paranoid passenger that sits at the back and watches the ailerons and flaps and spoilers maneuver, um, 
you know, it would make me feel a lot better if I knew that uh, the guys up front had uh, done more than a takeoff and landing by hand recently. Um, and again, you know, I, I'm not very much in a position to criticize because obviously um, I do have my, 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 issue, my own issues with hand flying. But um, on a professional level, I don't know. This seems like a very basic thing. Um, and I think I'm not going to be the only person um, to be shocked by this news uh, from the FAA. But um, that's what's going on in my world. Those are the things that I've noticed. Um, I'm going to continue this flight and try not to uh, screw up the landing. Um, of course, now that I've said something publicly about landing, I'm sure I'm going to end up screwing it up. But um, that's the way the karma gods play it. So um, till next time, stay safe, stay sane, happy railroading, happy landings. And uh, speaking of landings, again, if you have tips, um, let me know, because uh, I am trying to improve. Um, and it'd be nice to see the pros improve a little bit, too, or at least practice those hand-flying skills. Not that I don't trust them, I just don't trust anybody. Alright, till next time, stay safe, stay sane, happy landings, happy railroading, bye.